Chapter 6 Summer passed, and the family and Yadith began to get used to each other. Yadith was good at copying what was shown to her, and most of her tasks around the house were simple and repetitive. She started the fire in the morning and boiled the water for food and washing. She fed the cows, weeded the fields and garden, shelled peas and ground barley into flour. She shoveled cow manure into a handcart and pushed it to the compost pile. She washed clothes, wrung them, and hung them to dry. As Yadith got better at her jobs, Gunhild found she could leave her alone to work. As days went by, Yadith began to learn the language of her new family. English and Danish were cousins, and many words sounded the same. When Thorvi said to her, Mjolka thu kuner, it was close enough to English milk vaku that Yadith knew that she was supposed to go milk the cows. The harder part was the milking itself. The cows still made her nervous. Gunhild watched the smaller girl as she approached each cow carefully, as if it might charge at her and bite. Yadith would reach out hesitantly and touch each cow on the nose and face, slowly come nearer, and then keep her hand on the cow's back as she moved alongside it. Once, as Gunhild was spinning yarn with her mother, she heard Yadith on the other side of the barn door. She was singing a gentle, sad-sounding tune, and Gunhild realized that she was singing to the cows. Whether it was to calm the cows or calm herself, Gunhild didn't know, but she was struck by the timid beauty of Yadith's voice. Yadith never sang at any other time or spoke to anyone. Gunhild listened to the strange English words. Min is Sing me to gala, sing to me. Animeth he a fourth way fairland. Sing me to gala, sing and weep. Yadith didn't talk to anyone in the family at first. Other than singing to the cows, Gunhild didn't hear a word from her. When she wasn't working, Yadith sometimes sat silently in a corner but other times she walked around the farm. Rolf tried to play with Yadith at first, but it didn't work well. Once he handed her a wooden sword, and she held it obediently, but simply watched him. Rolf brandished his own sword, and Yadith started to get nervous and backpedaled away. Another time, Rolf rode up to Yadith on an imaginary horse and tried to talk to her, and she stared silently until he rode away. It was probably for the best, thought Gunhild, because Thorvi would certainly disapprove. What finally brought Yadith out of her shell was Thorvi, though she hadn't intended it. A few weeks after her arrival, Yadith was cleaning up after breakfast while Thorvi sat weaving and Gunhild spun wool. Thorvi looked around her for a new hank of yarn, and seeing one out of her reach, next to Yadith, she said to Yadith, Here, girl, hand me that yarn. Yadith looked up, not understanding. Yarn, shouted Thorvi, pointing at what she meant. Yadith followed her finger, but couldn't see what Thorvi wanted. She took a spoon next to the hank of yarn and handed it to Thorvi. Thorvi snatched the spoon out of Yadith's hand and threw it across the room. Yadith flinched and backed up, but Thorvi wasn't done yet. The yarn, stupid girl! She pointed again. Yarn! Yadith timidly walked back to where she had been sitting and looked for what Thorvi was pointing at. She reached out for a spindle and looked up at Thorvi questioningly. I'll get it for you, mother, said Gunhild. She'll never learn if you do, said Thorvi. She pointed again and said, There, the yarn! There! 
Yadith reached out to the yarn, watching Thorvi to see whether this was correct, and when Thorvi didn't correct her, she picked it up and brought it to Thorvi. Thorvi took it in one hand and slapped Yadith across the back of the head with her other. It wasn't a painful blow, and Yadith didn't seem hurt, but when Yadith sat down to finish washing dishes, Gunhild noticed she was crying silently. Thorvi saw too, and snorted derisively. Later that afternoon Gunhild was still spinning, and Yadith managed to catch her alone. Kettle and Inga were laying plans for a new barn so that when the two hired men from Ripa arrived, they could start work. Rolf was outside playing. Thorvi stepped outside to use the latrine, and as soon as she did, Yadith picked up a handful of things and walked quickly over to Gunhild. "'What is this?' she said quietly, holding up a spoon. "'A spoon,' said Gunhild. "'A spoon,' repeated Yadith. Then she held up a comb. "'Comb,' said Gunhild, and Yadith repeated it. Then Gunhild took the collection of things and laid them out. "'Knife, spoon, comb, lamp, flint,' she said. "'Knife, spoon, comb, lamp, flint,' added Gunhild. "'Flint,' said Yadith. Then she heard footsteps approaching and scurried back to her corner before Thorvi opened the door. After that, whenever she could throughout the day, Yadith would ask Gunhild to name things, and she would repeat them back. This had been going on for over a week when Gunhild had the idea to quiz her. She waited until they had the house to themselves again, then quietly asked, Yadith? Yadith looked up. Gunhild was the only one who called her by her name. Yadith, where is the plate? Yadith looked confused at first and picked up the plate, but when Gunhild smiled and said, Good! Yadith suddenly understood the game, and she smiled too. It was the first time Gunhild had seen her smile. Where is the bed? asked Gunhild. Where is the loom? Where is the wall? At each question, Yadith would smile and point. Say, this is the wall, said Gunhild. This is the wall, said Yadith, pointing. This is the window. This is the roof. This is the hearth. Very good, said Gunhild. You understand? Very good? Yesa, said Yadith, smiling. Yesa, ich thankyave. Then they heard footsteps approach, and they both had to return quickly to their jobs and pretend that nothing had been happening. Not long after, the two hired men from Repa arrived, but to everyone's surprise, with them came Ragnolf and a young man. Gunhild saw her father come out to greet them, and he spoke to the hired men and then patted his brother and the young man on their shoulders. Gunhild, he called. Have the girl get some food going. We have guests. Help her put together something nice. Gunhild ran to get Yadith, and they began to boil water and shell peas. Thorvi was inside with her feet up. When Gunhild told her who was here, she also stood and began to help prepare things. It wasn't only that Ragnolf was a guest and was family, felt Gunhild, but also that he expected people to scramble when he arrived, and generally they did. It wasn't long until all were packed into the house. There were a lot of people, and the house was no great feasting hall, but Thorvi managed to scrape enough together to suit the occasion. It was fortunate that they had a large barrel of salted fish and another of salted pork that could be pulled out at any time. 
They had never kept this much food on hand before, but these barrels were among the things that Kettle had brought back from Ripa along with the horses. As soon as everyone was assembled, Ragnolf introduced the young man. This is my son, Gerolf, he said. Gunhild had never heard of Gerolf, but knew that it would be rude to show her surprise. He grew up in Ripa with his mother, Ragnolf explained. He's fifteen now, and I decided it was time he came with me. Gunhild thought back to the story of Rig, who arrived to claim his son when he was grown and teach him the arts befitting a warrior and a noble. You are welcome here, nephew, said Thorvi. Gerolf didn't look much like his father. He had light hair, soft and not coarse like his father's. He had the beginnings of a beard, but hadn't put on much muscle. The hired men, whose names were Gufli and Esk, were polite to everyone, but mostly kept to themselves. Rolf wanted to look at all of their tools, and they were happy to oblige. Kettle welcomed them, and asked if they wouldn't mind having beds made up for them on the floor that evening. "'We'll feed you well,' said Kettle, "'and I'm sure we can find a little mead in the evenings sometimes.' "'Tell me about this barn you're planning, brother,' said Ragnolf. Full of excitement, Kettle began describing the plans, and Goofly and Esk nodded and asked questions as he went. When he was done, Ragnolf nodded. "'I'll have a look in the morning. It might need to be bigger. We'll see.' It's all planned out, said Kettle, confused. Inga and I designed it. It's my farm too, brother, said Ragnolf. This was the first time Gunhild had heard this said, and it seemed that it must be simply untrue. This was her father's farm, of course. Ragnolf had left years ago, before she was born. Then again, why should it belong to Kettle alone and not his brother and sister? Had her grandfather left it to all his children equally? Had no one ever actually decided who owned it? The idea that something so obvious, who owned her home, might be suddenly called into question, made her uneasy. "'Of course,' said Kettle. "'We'll look at it in the morning. No reason not to build it bigger. The cows can make more cows, right?' He looked for a chuckle from his brother, but didn't get one. "'What happened to your slave?' asked Kettle. "'Too much trouble,' said Ragnolf. "'I don't have a proper household yet, though that'll come soon. I'm the Jarl's man, but I intend to have land and a family.' but slaves are a hassle with nowhere to put them. Mine tried to escape, would you believe it? What did you do? Beat him half to death and sold him to a Swede sailing for Birka, said Ragnolf. I can get more when I need them. When everyone had eaten, the adults rose and went outside to make room for Yadith to clean up. Gunhild found herself with Gerolf and seized the chance to find out more about him. So you're my cousin, she said. That's a surprise. He was near her age, so it was easy to joke with him. "'Mother always said I had family out this way,' said Gerolf. "'No one ever told me much about them. You. "'My mother lives in Ripa, but I grew up mostly on Grandfather's farm. "'Sometimes when I was in Ripa, Mother would point out Father to me as we walked past him "'while he was splitting logs or something, but we didn't talk to him. "'But then last year he came to see me and said he would take me to live with him. "'So here I am.' "'Wait.' "'Where do you live?' asked Gunhild, worried that he was about to say, "'Here.' "'Father sleeps in the Jarl's Hall when he's at Ripa, but he says a man needs land. "'He's going to take me raiding next summer, and when we come back with the money, "'we'll build another house out here.' "'They walked a large circle around the farm as the sun was setting. "'Gerolf told her about playing stickball with the other boys, "'and about how he wanted to have a horse some day. That night, Gerolf bunked with Rolf, and Gunhild was turned out of her own bed to sleep with Aunt Inga. 
Ragnolf slept in her bed, and the two hired men slept on blankets and sheepskins on the floor. Gunhild didn't see where Yareth slept, but the next morning saw that she had hay in her hair, and realized that she had slept in the barn. When they had a moment alone, Gunhild asked, Yareth, you slept with the cows last night? Maybe she was getting more comfortable with the cows, she thought, which had to be a good sign. Yes, said Yareth. Cows is good slept. Barn-building began that morning, with Kettle, Inga, Goofly, and Esk selecting good trees from a nearby grove and felling them, bucking their branches, and using the two horses to drag them back to the farm. Ragnolf and his son weren't there because they were practicing sword-work. Rolf sat nearby and watched attentively as Ragnolf adjusted Gerolf's stance and grip and moved him through slow-motion cuts from the left and right. Their shields were round and gripped from the center, which made them very mobile, but required a very strong arm. Gerolf's arm tired within minutes, and Ragnolf had to keep reminding him to keep his shield high to protect his head. <coughs> Gunhild was picking these as she watched them practice, and she had to admire Ragnolf's agility. His wooden sword moved in quick circles, left and right, high and low. As he swung, he stepped sideways with perfect balance, finding gaps in Gerolf's guard. When Gerolf couldn't hold his shield up anymore, he asked to take a break, but Ragnolf just told him to put his shield down, and they kept practicing with swords only. It was midday before Ragnolf told his son to go fetch him some water and went to check on the barn. Gunhild, curious to see what would happen, decided to follow, so she got Yadith and they each carried a bucket of water for people to drink. Inga sat on a log sharpening an axe. Another axe lay by her feet waiting its turn. Kettle was working on notching one log at intervals while the two carpenters worked on a log that had already been notched. One flattened the top of the log with big, powerful swings. The other followed him up and evened out the rough bits. "'Come to check on our progress, big brother?' asked Kettle. Gunhild couldn't tell whether this was criticism or not. "'I'm sure it's going well,' said Ragnolf. "'You proved yourself with an axe on the English shore. "'This will be a great farm when we're done with it.' Gerolf caught up and handed his father a cup of water. Next fall we can work on my own house, announced Ragnolf. With the money from the summer raid, we'll plant more fields. What with? asked Kettle. Barley is always dependable, but think of this. Most of our linen comes from Francia, because that's where they grow the flax. But what if we tried it here? Do you think flax would grow this far north? Mm, you'd be better off with more beans and peas. Maybe turnips, said Inga. Ragnolf, I assume you're thinking of bringing in farmhands. If you have the extra labor for tending them, I'd say beans. We'll figure that out later, said Ragnolf, bored already by the details of farming. But I won't be here to look after it all the time. The Jarl might need a new captain soon. Sounds like you need a wife, chuckled Kettle, but Ragnolf glowered. Gerolf, grab an axe and help your uncle, said Ragnolf. Then, finishing the water, he walked back to the house. Ragnolf and Gerolf stayed for over two more weeks. During this time, Ragnolf never actually helped with the barn, although he instructed Gerolf to help in the afternoons after he was done with his sword work. The barn progressed well, and soon needed only a roof. "'We'll use the straw from the harvest this year,' said Kettle. "'The timing is perfect. The barley is almost ready, and after we thresh it, we'll keep the straw for thatching. Are you staying for the harvest, brother?' "'Gerolf and I are needed back in Ripa,' said Ragnolf. "'We'll leave tomorrow.' 
But I must tell you, Jarl Thorstein expects you at the blot this winter. The blot was a sacrifice to the gods, and this one would be performed at the winter solstice. It was expected of the Jarl every year, and was done on behalf of all those who lived in the surrounding area. Not all were invited to the ceremony, however. It's a great honor to be invited, said Ragnolf. I would be sure to be there if I were you. The next morning they left, and Kettle sent the two carpenters back with them. In truth, he was burning through his silver coins fairly quickly, and as much as he would have liked help harvesting the barley or thatching the roof, he wouldn't have been able to pay them in for another week. I'm not complaining, mind you, Gunhild overheard her father saying later, but I had hoped it would last longer. Two horses, a down payment on five cows for the spring, and most of a barn, and it's gone. We'll be fine, said Thorvi. You can handle the rest of the barn. And once we start breeding the cows, more money will come. We'll need to buy hay for the winter, said Kettle. We don't have nearly enough. You know, we could always sell the girl. Gunhild, listening closely, could hear the ambivalence in her mother's voice. She's proven useful, I have to admit, said Thorvi. I assume you're going raiding next summer? Of course, said Kettle, who pulled his boots back on and got back to work. The family was quite busy with the barn, the new animals, and the upcoming harvest. Thorvi, less able to do hard physical work, sewed, spun, and wove. Inga worked with the horses. Although she had not grown up with horses, she was good with animals in general, and determined to learn. The two mares, whom she named Blara and Grara, had already proved useful hauling logs. Eventually they would pull a plow or a cart, once the family bought either of those things, but Inga first set herself the task of learning to ride them. They were good horses, however, and had been well-trained. Inga's patience paid off, and she was soon riding them around the farm. Yadith did chores and always seemed to be in the background, but since she and the rest of the family had gotten into a routine, no one checked up on her very often. The cows were tended to, the house was tidy, the grain was ground, and Yadith was always on hand in the evening to help prepare dinner. As a result, no one went looking for her. Gunhild didn't realize that Yadith sometimes went wandering until she took a walk out past the edge of the farm one day. She was headed for a patch of bilberries, which were coming into season, and she heard Yadith's voice. Gunhild paused to listen, then followed the singing to a grove of trees off the trail a bit. When Yadith heard the footsteps approaching, she stopped singing and waited for Gunhild to arrive. She looked guilty and stood nervously, as if awaiting an order. Gunhild smiled and held up the basket she carried. I'm picking berries, she said. Berries? said Yadith, pointing to the basket. Picking berries, said Gunhild, pretending to pick from an invisible bush and putting berries in the basket. Berries, repeated Yadith. Gunhild, taken with a sudden idea, walked over to a fallen log near Yadith and sat down. She placed her basket down and held up her hands, and as she sang a song, she mimed the words with hand motions. Blackbird sits on a bilberry bush, here comes cat to pounce. Blackbird doesn't care a bit, he flies, he flies, he flies. Blackbird sits on a bilberry bush, 
here comes Hawk to swoop. Blackbird doesn't care a bit, he hides, he hides, he hides. Yadith sat by her and listened, then followed the second time with her hands, letting one hand be the bird and the other be the cat. It was a children's song that Gunhild hadn't thought of in years, but with its simple words and hand motions it was perfect for Yadith. Cat is meow? asked Yadith, miming whiskers on her cheeks. Yes, said Gunhild, and she went through the song slowly so Yadith could get the rest of the words. They sang the song a few more times before Gunhild stood and continued toward the berry bushes. She invited Yadith, but Yadith shook her head and said, Garden, peas, and turned to head back to the house. As much as she would have liked the company, Gunhild knew that Yadith would be punished for slacking, and it was risky even for her to be away from the farm like this. Nevertheless, after that, whenever Gunhild needed a break from weaving and spinning, and didn't see Yadith doing some chore, she would take a walk to the same grove of trees, and as likely as not she would find Yadith sitting on the log, and they would talk. Yadith caught on to the words for objects and actions very quickly. Most of what was said to Yadith were brief orders and occasional instructions as to how she was doing something incorrectly. All the words were limited to objects around the farm. No one expected her to talk, or even think, beyond those. More difficult for her to learn, without any kind of visual reference, were abstract concepts and the grammar that would let her talk about the past and the future. One day Yadith was alone in the house with Gunhild, washing dishes while Gunhild spun, and she took particular interest in an earthenware bowl. It was larger than the others, often used for holding vegetables. It was earth color, like all the clay objects in the house, but it had intricate designs around it and was clearly meant to be attractive as well as useful. Yadith held it up to look more closely and said to Gunhild, The bowl is good, yes? Yes, said Gunhild. It is a good bowl. Yes, continued Yadith. The bowl... This bowl is... She looked down, groping for a word she needed. This bowl is bleofast. Bleofast? asked Gunhild. Yadith looked around the house, but seemed not to find anything useful. She thought hard and said carefully, Flowers is bleofast. Moon is bleofast. White? offered Gunhild. No, not white. Bleofast is... Yadith walked to a wooden box with carvings on it. Box is bleofast. Fire is bleofast. Beautiful? Gunhild guessed. Beautiful, said Yadith, as if trying the word out. Beautiful is... A horse is beautiful, said Gunhild. The sun rising is beautiful. Your hair is beautiful, said Yadith. No, your hair is beautiful, giggled Gunhild. Your dress is beautiful, shot back Yadith, and Gunhild automatically started to return the compliment. They both stopped with their eyes on Yadith's dress, the only dress she had, the same one she had been wearing when she had arrived two months ago. It had been worn hard, and by this point was little more than a rag. Yadith picked up the decorative bowl. But this bowl is beautiful. I can... She looked for another word, and not finding it began to pinch with her fingers around the outside of the bowl, as if working the clay. Make? suggested Gunhild, copying Yadith's motions. I can make bowl? tried Yadith. Bowls, yes, you can make bowls. Yadith nodded and returned to work, 
and didn't attempt more conversation for a while.